What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the program. Episode 55 coming at you. Hey now. Down there, Mike. <laughs> um, yeah, we got episode 55 here, but before we get into it, of course, we got some show notes. I know everybody loves to hear the show notes, right? And we always start by saying, hey, if you dig what you're hearing, a free way to support the podcast is going to the iTunes, hitting the subscribe button, give the five-star review, give a few nice words about the program, and then we get that more national visibility for the show. Other than that, you can go to dancablepresents.com, get yourself a fresh baseball tee, maybe hit the uh, the donate button if you got some extra shekels. That's always helpful as well. Come on, do it! And then uh, April 26th, we got another Dan Cable Presents go- event going down at uh, Kelly's Olympian. Small Million headlining that event, the, uh, the guest of the episode 50. So don't miss Small Million at Kelly's Olympian, April 26th. I'll be there. It's a Dan Cable Presents event. There is no mountain, and Maxwell Cabana are opening. Uh, doors at eight o'clock. Shows at eight thirty. It's seven dollars. Come out, say what's up, see some great music, and uh, yeah. Then this episode of the podcast, we got Chris Young from Vortex Magazine. I sat down with him. We had a chat about the uh, the three year anniversary of Vortex Magazine, which. So, so pumped to sit down with Chris to talk about this. It's, it's really cool to get to talk to a dude that, you know, had an idea, had a vision for something, and now he's celebrating the three-year anniversary of it. And it's, uh, you know, it's been a successful thing. So I think this is kind of one of those uh, episodes that should be inspiring to those who are thinking about putting something into action or, or somebody that's... Uh, you know, already got something going. This should be like hopefully a charge for you to keep pushing forward, and things things can happen. Yeah. This is proof of that. So, right. may I, may I grab this real quick and yeah. give uh, Chris a congratulations to you on three years? Hey now, that's what's for you, man. All right, <laughs> a special hey now for Chris. Um, but yeah, this is really rad. Uh, there's a bunch of dates that we go through uh, in in the podcast about the celebration for the uh, the podcast or for for the uh, the the three year anniversary for it. So so just pay attention to those. I know April twenty second is uh, or April yes April twenty second is record store day, and they're dropping the the first uh, Vortex vinyl. It's going to be a dope compilation. Uh, some of the artists that have been on this show that are going to be a part of that compilation, Small Million. Rashid Jamal, Corgan Bass, Dusty Fox is featured on the Corgan Bass track, so that's going to be super fat. And uh, we used a couple tracks from that as musical breaks from uh, for this episode. So we got the Autonomics with Dead TV Star, and then we got uh, Skull Diver with Nightmare Castle. And I just got to see them for the first time, as I said at the end of this episode, and super rad. Can't wait to have those uh, folks in the studio soon. But uh, yeah, this is a longer episode, so I think we should probably just get into it. This yeah. is a really awesome conversation. Really stoked about this one. So, congrats, Chris, on uh, all your success with Vortex, and stoked to keep contributing and partnering up on stuff with you. This is it, episode fifty-five. Chris Young, let's get into it. 
Who's going to do the Mountain Air mic? Oh. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> hey now, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool, man. We can just kind of like get this program rolling. Cool. Uh, so we got we got the three-year anniversary of uh, of Vortex Music Magazine com- coming out in the next uh, couple weeks here. Yes, that is correct. That's that's what we're uh, we're here to celebrate and and talk about and I just uh, guess I just want to like get get to know more about the magazine and kind of like where where you come from and and how all this this kind of started. So uh, yeah, like, like o- obviously like it comes from like a love of music. I would assume from from the get go. Yeah, definitely. But uh, it also comes from why would we print a magazine? <laughs> you know, why why would we try to take this endeavor to print a magazine? And basically, that uh, that whole thing came from um, trying to put something in people's hands that would introduce them to something that they might not, you know, click on online. Um, if you think about the way that we consume a lot of the media, we consume it's it's like a million tabs open at the same time feeds on Twitter and Facebook. Um, and we, we kind of saw a lack in some journalistic qualities in some of these things. Like a few years ago, NPR wrote a really good piece that was basically all about, you know, people making stories out of like Twitter feuds and stuff like that. And it's like, this shit's not news. Like, it's like, you know, like this is such a waste of our like garbage media culture, you know, a waste of our time. (laughs) So, we just kind of like, I, I mean, I really wanted to create a product that I felt was like I could be proud of journalistically and, you know, also would hopefully introduce people to some stuff that they didn't maybe know about. And so that's the idea of having a physical product is that we can actually, people can sit down and hopefully be brought into a story because it looks really nice. There's good photography, there's good design, there's interesting things happening on the page. And then you you dive deeper into something that you may not have even known that you that you wanted to know about. Yeah, for sure. So what was your uh, your relationship with music prior to starting the magazine? Was it just like just being a fan of music or Yeah, I mean I guess that's pretty much been been and is my relationship with music. Um I'm playing instruments, uh never been in a band, so you know, I've always just kind of been the guy that's gone gone to tons of shows like my entire it still is but my entire wardrobe in high school was like band shirts (laughs) and it was like i I went to a show and i bought a shirt it was just like there was no question you bought a shirt every show you went to (laughs) that's what my disposable income you know was going to in like high school um so yeah i mean i it was just probably came from a passion for going to a lot of live music um and yeah, at some point I, I'd gone to school for journalism. Um, even when I went to school, I would never really intended for writing to necessarily be the thing that I wanted to do. I was more interested in design and other like advertising and stuff like that. Uh, but at some point I started, started a blog. Um, I had a blog that was covered all sorts of stuff. And at some point I kind of like honed way more in on music and started more seriously writing about things that were happening in Portland after I'd, I grew up here, but I was gone for a while. And when I moved back, I, that's like kind of like how I started getting involved in things again that were happening in this city was I just started paying attention to like everything that was happening locally. How long have you been, uh, back in Portland then? Uh, I think that when I moved back, I think that was like 2009. Um, 
Like I'd gone away for college. I'd traveled, lived abroad a few places, like worked on a fishing boat in Alaska. And I, after Alaska, I just moved back to Portland and my parents are here. It was just like an easy landing pad. And, um, yeah, I just got involved like a lot more seriously in writing about music and, um, was writing for various websites, doing freelance stuff was kind of like delving into figuring out how to make it being a freelance writer, creative kind of person in Portland. That's awesome. Uh, so when does, uh, when does Vortex become like go from an idea to a reality? Like how, how did that all come together? So there's a guy named David Mosier and he owned a retail store called Art Media. They actually had three locations in, around Portland. Um, and it was an art supply store. Um, and he's a musician. He's been a lifelong musician, just kind of like a garage musician playing with his buddies. And, um, but he, he had this retail store. I think they were around for like 37 years. And so in the time that he was running this, this little local chain of, of retail shops and raising like three kids, he was no longer like going to live music and really had fallen out of touch with it. But also at the same time when he's raising these kids and they got older, he had a daughter that shot photography for a local publication called The Rocket which was basically a Willamette Week, Mercury sort of weekly about music. And they had a sister publication in Seattle as well. Um, And I think that died off in maybe the early 2000s, something like that. And I think it was mostly, my understanding is it was mostly due to mismanagement of it, not so much that it wasn't being like a viable publication. Um, And so anyways, you know, at some point towards the end of Dave's career, he was phasing, he was exiting from his retail business, but wasn't quite ready to fully retire. And that's where we got connected. He actually found me online and like call, like left me a voice, left me a voicemail. And it was sort of like cryptic and I didn't really understand what, what he was after. And I called him back and for a while we would just meet up for lunch, like a couple times a month or something like that. And we had a small little crew. One of them was like the original editor of the rocket who at the time he was working for Portland monthly. So there was a small little crew of other like writer designer kind of people that were kind of stoked on the idea of creating some type of more serious in depth publication, uh, about the local music scene. And when all was said and done, you know, maybe like a year's worth of meeting and talking about stuff, it was just Dave and I that were still at the table trying to move this idea forward. And so when it came time to really like build a website and figure out like hone in what the concept for the magazine was, how often we were going to do it, what, what all the plans were. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was him and I, uh, and since then, since we actually put it out there, um, you know, and have been engaging with people. Now we have, a very small team that's myself, uh, our art director, whose name is Eric Skelton, and our, our web developer, whose name is Arthur Parker. And it's basically the three of us as the core team, and then we have a ton, ton of freelance contributors, ton of photographers, a ton of writers, uh, just super, super talented Portland creative people that maybe were in like a position like I was at some point where they were just really interested in the music scene and big fans of that kind of stuff. But, um, 
they have other jobs, you know, maybe they're not trying to make it as, as a, we do have some people that are definitely hundred percent photographer, writer, freelancers, or, you know, work for various places, but we have a lot of people that are just really talented creatives and they, they contribute something once, once a month or something like that, you know, when they have time and when it's something they're really stoked about. Yeah. Uh, was it, uh, pretty from, from the get go, like, uh, the, idea to just have like the is it is it four physical publications yeah quarterly, like once a quarter, right? we publish four per year yeah so was that like the initial idea from the get-go to just kind of go with that model yeah I, I truthfully the very first issue we put out our intention was to do it every other month so six per year but i think it was on the second or third issue i can't remember exactly we switched it to quarterly because it was already enough of a task to like just get this magazine off the ground and like get distribution and get our name out there. Um, and we didn't have unlimited funding and there wasn't necessarily, we, we had a very successful Kickstarter, which helped us out in the beginning, but it was also like one $10,000 Kickstarter is really only like one magazine or something, you know, like yeah. it's, it's actually like not that much when you're trying to put out the type of product that we are. So, um, so yeah, so it was kind of like we just realized that uh, it was that the quarterly thing was a much more manageable pace, and it also gave us time to do more reflection on serious things because we do. It's a blessing that we don't have to be concurrently designing and working on multiple issues at once. We can actually we always have things kind of cooking, but we can literally just like take a step back and take a breather and kind of look at things and. We often have ideas for the next issue. I often start to get like lots of ideas for things in like crunch time on like the current issue. So it's like, oh, I should really be working on finishing this magazine, but I have all these ideas for what I can do for the next one. And so kind of like write all those things down and like we start to like work those things out. But truthfully, it's like once we get to, we make a lot of pretty big decisions, I would say in the month or less before printing the magazine. Um, because stuff just changes and sometimes we react to things or, you know, a, cer a certain piece of content that we really thought was going to happen falls through and we end up doing something really quickly, but it ends up being much more impactful than maybe like just a standard feature on some famous guitarist or yeah. something like that, you know? So gives you more time to ensure like the quality of each like physical publication. Too yeah, that as well too. Yeah. And I would assume that it gives people, uh, I don't know, even as somebody that like pays attention to like the local media here, like it's, I think it probably gives the the people that keep up with it, the readers, uh, more of an excitement about the uh, next issue that's going to come out since it's not coming out. So like yeah. all the time. Yeah. And we try to do stuff around the issues, like when we put them out. Um, so yeah, it's like four times a year. So we've, pretty frequently partnered with crave dog and throwing like these music industry happy hours that they yeah. act they actually do every month super fun um but yeah those have been a lot of fun so we'll do that like once a quarter with them last thursday free beer come on out yeah and we'll be doing one in april um so that's a lot of fun and yeah a lot of cool industry people show up there you know like record label people and just you know writers and photographers and Crave Dog works with so many musicians, so like people from their network show up, other local businesses. It's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. I've been to a few of those, and it's always like a rad hang, and and usually run into some familiar faces, and then always meet some new people, which is which is awesome. Yeah, for sure. <coughs> um, um, 
So when you when you uh, like launched that first publication, like were you just kind of uh, like running around to different local spots and being like, "Hey, can I put my magazine here?" Like, uh, eventually, the the distribution came to that. But for our very first one, actually, we just figured no one knows who we are, and people aren't necessarily going to pick this up. How can we best blanket? You know, like actually get this in people's hands. Yeah. Um, so we actually inserted them into Willamette Week oh, okay. and let Willamette Week do our distribution for us. We figured for this new publication that we were starting that that would be a good general place to reach an audience that would be a relevant audience and would want to check this out. Um, but yeah, I mean, since then, it's ba- we really like we we got like a, every, we run everything on like a pretty tight and focused uh schedule or like we we just really kind of have our ducks in line so it's like i i know where to put our magazine and like where we're going to go through copies of it so you know like that the doug for bar bar at mississippi studios or a lot of instrument shops or music millennium like these are the type of places where we go through lots of magazines and where we we have like a nice rack for our magazines and stuff like that so basically like my point is if you're trying to find the magazine we on our website <laughs> we have an actual map that shows you about 70 places where you can pick up a copy and those are places that we regularly stock throughout the quarter to to try and keep up with demand if they run out you know so right and then you also mail some out to to people that aren't in the portland area yeah for sure so we also do subscriptions which thank you for asking me about because this is something that we're actually revamping right now um uh we're we're basically launching launching a new membership program that um you know maybe takes after a, a little bit like something you would see on opb or something when they talk about like a recurring membership yeah so the model that we're actually launching like right now with this issue for like the beginning of our third year is um, we're calling it the Vortex Access Party. So give you access to not just the magazine mailed to your door, but also access to ticket giveaways we're doing, discounts from partners that we work with. Like um, I've just been talking to a lot of the people that we work with and like people that have like offered us either discount codes or like freebies in terms of gift cards and things like that. Like. We've got a whole list of things from like Ear Trumpet Labs to Music Millennium to like Tender Loving Empire, um, like the Rye Room, a recording studio gave us uh, like a pretty sweet discount on like being able to book time in his studio. Oh, red. Um, like Sizzle Pie gave us a bunch of free pizza. We have like gift certificates for like various uh, record shops. So, I mean, basically the point is, is we're kicking off this new program where it's basically gonna be two dollars a month just automatically charge your credit card or bank account or whatever and so basically two four six you'll pay six dollars and a quarter six dollars and that quarter will get you the magazine mailed to your door every quarter plus things sent to you via email um every month so like i listed off all those discounts you can get from businesses those will be like special deals like available only to our subscribers Plus, down the line, we have a bunch of ideas for rolling out kind of like prize giveaway kind of things that will be available only to subscribers, like um, printing photography, like live music photography from our photographers. And there's a whole system that we've developed that basically the longer that you are a member, the more points you earn with us. And then you'll be able to use those points to bid on things like a ticket to what the festival or 
this like a one-off piece of like live concert photography or a screen printed poster or something like that. Um, so basically, yeah. If you want to know more about that, we've got it all set up on the website and it's uh, at vrtxmag.com slash subscribe. That's awesome, dude. Like a loyalty program. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. Uh, do you find like those, those are the types of things that are really important to keep people engaged at this point since like physical publications aren't what everybody are gravitating to with all the digital content that's available. Yeah. I mean, we talk, we talk to a lot of our readers and like some of the people that we work closest with when we were putting this idea together, you know, and like, it's not just, I mean, everyone and their mom seems to be giving away concert tickets or something like that. And that's cool. People like free shows and stuff, but that doesn't really seem to be like, the most important thing i guess at least at least for me that doesn't seem to maybe be like the most gratifying thing and i've just found uh that you know other like little things that we've done with like fairly little notice like throwing little happy hour events where we either do something at our office or we just literally say like hey we're all gonna meet at this bar for happy hour like i actually find that those types of things like people find more value in those things because maybe it's it's more about like human connection and like being with people in real life you know because we all are behind our screens yeah (laughs) so it's just like again it's like a lot of times when we do those events it's it's like a quick kind of decision we're like all right like let's just get the word out to like our closest people but um our goal long term is to is to make those things accessible to like anyone that's a, that's a member of our of our party, you know, because we want everyone to come out and like just like dig on the music scene and like you know the people that come to these things are people that are like really involved. Like it was really funny actually. Larry Crane was at our last uh, like little happy hour thing. We just improv we threw like impromptu and someone afterwards was like oh my god i can't believe larry crane was here and they were like they were so so stoked about it and i was like yeah i was like you should go talk to him he's like the nicest guy in the world and it's like he has this incredible pedigree of you know elliot smith and the decembers and all these people that he's slater kenny that he's produced but he's also like the coolest dude in the world and it's just awesome to like have the opportunity to like bump into people like that which is so portland yeah and he's just hanging yeah that's rad i haven't had the opportunity to meet larry but i had some uh conversations about him with uh the secret c a meet when he came in and did the podcast and he recorded his record with Uh larry yeah because of his work with elliot and everything yeah, you'll so, ha- you'll have to get him on. He'll he'll come on your. Podcast. That'd be rad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. loves he loves his talk. I've heard loves nothing but but great <laughs> things about like him and and just like his willingness to do stuff like that and yeah. just hang out. So that's rad. Uh, did the website uh come into play at the same time as the the first publication? Yeah. It's one of the, man. Like this is also something that baffles me in sort of the internet age, and maybe this just like shows me that I'm like an old person now or something, (laughs) you know, but it's like people will literally, they'll see our magazine. They'll be like, you have a website. And we're like, (laughs) we're like the URLs on like every single page in the magazine. Like, yeah, we got a website or someone, someone will say, Oh, I follow your Instagram. It's so good. (laughs) You guys actually, you, you print a magazine. (laughs) And so I'm just like, I, you know, and like, and that's part of the thing, you know, with trying to like do other things to engage people throughout all of the, all of the things we do, because 
um yeah it's like we should our our pride and joy and our baby is printing this magazine and that's like kind of what we pour our heart and soul into yeah but truthfully we spend a lot more time creating digital content than we do print content because we we put up something like almost every day on on the website you know so it's like when you add it all up we're spending way more time on the digital side of things even though like the print is where we really like get into like the nitty-gritty of like what our our dedication to like covering the music scene is with like talking about like the businesses and community and culture behind everything. Um, but the type of content we create on the website is a lot more is catered to what people do on the internet. Like I said, we're all, we're so like overwhelmed with how many things are happening on our phone and our email and whatever. So the type of content we try to create on the website is we do tons of uh, track and video premieres. So it's just something that you can like kick back and enjoy and like get some exclusive content, um, like kind of like a first listen type of thing. And then we publish a ton of photos, like ton, we have lots of photographers that go to shows. And so again, it's like content that you can just kind of like sit back and check out, you know, and you don't have to be too worried about getting like real deeply involved in a story. We try to save the deeper, the deeper, more in depth stuff for the magazine. Yeah. Um, Cause that's like where we really like, start to drill down into issues and you know think of bigger concepts for sure that makes sense uh and, and just as far as like the content are is it uh is there like a certain percentage that you're looking for to to fill of local portland stuff because i know like sometimes you guys will cover some some yeah n- national touring artists and whatnot yeah it's a distinction that we make with the print magazine everything has to be tie back to portland so it literally like we got to literally be able to follow the string from whatever we're talking about to Portland. An example that I'll give you that we never actually did, but this is like probably the stretchiest that you would do it is I wanted to write an article about Block Party. They're like one of my favorite bands from way back. And uh, one of the dudes from Menomina is in the band right now and oh, okay. he recorded the last record with them. And so I was like the perfect opportunity to talk to this guy as well as uh, – uh, block party, you know, and write a story about block party, in my magazine, which for most people be like, what the hell is the connection here? To Portland? <laughs> but there is like a very legitimate connection. I mean, we did a similar thing with Brent Knopp from Menomina as well. Uh, he recorded, uh, a record with the lead singer of the national that Elvira, yeah, Elvira. I really love that. Record. So it's like, yeah, we did that one. We did a story on that one a while back too, but yeah, it, the magazine is like, it's got to be about Portland. There has to be some tie back to Portland um, and things that are happening here in the scene. So we don't really publish anything like national touring acts coming through town or anything. We don't do anything like that. The content in our magazine, I guess, I like to say that it, it's it's evergreen. So it's not time sensitive, meaning that my magazine is out for three months. So it's got to at least have three months worth of shelf life on the content but really a lot of the content, like you could pick it up a year down the road and the story would still be a relevant story. Um, you know, maybe a little dated in some areas, but you know, it should, that a lot of the content should still be relevant or at least give you a snapshot of kind of that time and place. Um, so that's kind of what we do. But then, so then on the, on the other side with the website, the website is all about instant gratification like we have a concert calendar on there and that will tell you what's happening right now tonight kind of stuff like that and the same thing i was saying about video and audio it's like 
instant gratification. Hear the music, see you know, see the video. That's like what the internet is good for. So that's what we try to try to do with that. And uh, we don't we're not as restrictive on our website with 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 the content. Like I would say, the website is more about the entire Portland music scene. So what actually makes us have such a vibrant music scene and, you know, venues like the Crystal or Roseland or Edgefield or whatnot are big national touring acts coming through town. So we publish a lot of stuff about, like, a lot of photos of, like, big-name artists and stuff like that, Moda Center stuff. Um, because, like, that re- that is part of the scene. Like, that's part of what's happening here as well. But, again, the magazine is really, like, for the for and about like the local people you know that are actually like living working here like have some kind of tie to the city yeah that makes sense um so take me through like uh like some of your like day-to-day process like what like what are you doing to get the magazine ready like when you know when i hit you up and you tell me you're doing your homework to like get that (laughs) that the issue done like what what does that look like for you are you just kind of like my yeah running around <laughs> my my day is like battling emails that's like my every day <laughs> uh, like hundreds of emails from publicists that have potentially nothing to do with anything i want to write about so there's a lot of emails that get deleted um but yeah i don't know i mean like it can vary uh like i said we have a really small team so i mean a lot of us have a lot of fingers and a lot of different pies so i may spend like spend like a decent chunk of my time like getting prepping content posting content on the website and then maybe doing some type of like social media follow-up to help kind of like promote that content as well um spent a lot of time emailing with people to whether you know we're doing all of our communication through email or we're trying to like set something up for later for like an interview or I told you yesterday we just recorded uh, a podcast with Portia Saban, her The Future of What podcast. And yeah. we've been doing um, Jason Fellman, who runs JFL Presents. We've been doing quarterly educational events as well. So kind of timing those with the release of the new magazine. Yeah, those have been great too, man. Like can't speak enough good words about like that whole idea of just trying to empower the the local artists. And I had jason on the podcast and we we talked about that a little bit but those free events for people to come out to just to get some knowledge is is very a very cool thing it's not something that i've i've seen going on in a lot of places yeah so i mean our next one is the topic is music licensing and it's april 30th at the doug for at 1 p.m and it's free and it's all ages so that's gonna be badass um but yeah, I mean, like basically what we, to in the buildup to before putting on the event, I've been collaborating with the future of what to where she's got a Porsche as a music industry podcast and we, she'll do like a pre-interview with these people, kind of a round table discussion. We'll drop that. That episode will actually come out the same day as this episode you're listening Rad. to. Check so. that out too. Cause the future of what is an awesome podcast, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that one will come out that day. So we recorded that yesterday. And then the following week after the podcast is out on the 30th, we'll actually have the in-person event where people can hopefully you've listened to the podcast and I'll have a a companion article that I'll have published on Vortex as well, as well as in the magazine. 
So hopefully you've read some of that stuff and like thought about questions that aren't already in the article or yeah. podcast and then come to the physical event because it's like a it's like a two and a half hour, three three hour event where the panel is um Kat Olson, who's from Marmoset, which is a music licensing agency here in town, really quality agency that really is uh, does their work with the artists in mind. We have Richie Young on the panel, who's from a band that's called Lock Lamond, and he's he told us yesterday he's had maybe like thirty songs licensed over his career, and he didn't think that was like that many. And we're like, that seems like a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. to me, <laughs> considering that one of his licenses is in a was like I just watched it yesterday, but it's in a Red Bull uh like clip of this BMX biker doing crazy tricks. And the video is like almost forty million. Views, oh it's you know that's insane. You know, and like and he alluded to it yesterday in the interview, but he's like, we still so the biker, this guy Danny McAskill is a Scottish dude. And so this thing was filmed all over Scotland. And so this video really blew up in the UK and they literally like can do tours of like the UK and I feel like Ireland and stuff based on the strength of like this one, this one time they had the placement in the Red Bull spot. Just open up this entire yeah. market for them. Yeah. And you know, I mean, Red Bull has a ton of really good quality videos, like super impressively filmed and like artistic with these guys doing ridiculous feats of humankind, yeah. you know? So, but anyway, so we got those two, and then we have uh, Peter Vaughn Shaver, who's an entertainment lawyer. Uh, his company's called Sound Advice. Uh, so it's really going to be really cool. We'll have an agency perspective, the working musician perspective, and the musician who is also like a musician that's creating his own creative work, like creating albums and stuff, but has also like done compositional work for hire. So he can kind of speak to both sides of that, like having an advertiser say, hey, we want your music like that you put on your record. And then he also just composed some music for Leica Studios, which is like an animation studio for one of their films that came out. And then the third person, Peter, he'll be able to speak to the legal side and like give you a bunch of like straight up do's and don'ts. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and actually that is like a huge point of why we do these panels is so you like you don't make a dumb decision because you have a little bit of knowledge or you have enough knowledge to like at least be like oh, wait hold up i don't know. i peter sent me this uh sheet of kind of like uh 11 things like you should know about music licensing or something like that and like one like the top one on the list is if you don't understand the contract don't sign it you know it's yeah. like if it like literally and like cuz contracts can be complicated and weird it's like but if you can't sit down and read the contract and it's going to be boring and tedious and you can't understand it like don't sign it like get some legal help you know like it's not going to be in your interest to sign something that you don't understand right you know but that's one of the educational things is to empower people in the local music scene to like make better decisions and then also take themselves more seriously as a business um because it is very possible for artists uh you know well the the recording industry of the heyday definitely does not exist anymore and like being being a huge band, being a Lady Gaga is so, so few and far between. If you're like a business person that's a musician, that's a creative, you have so many outlets to, you know, to sell your work and to reach people, you know, if you're being smart about it. Yeah, there's definitely those those licensing opportunities are, are big yeah. right now for people. Um, yeah, dude, those those events are, are, are super rad and 
it just kind of makes sense all the way around like talking to jason about it a little more in depth like you know if we can like make the the community smarter about their decisions they're going to be you know better in all aspects like i know like in the past we've talked about like turning shows into an experience and stuff like that and if people just really know how to you know market themselves and promote their shows better then that's going to help the venues like with s- ticket sales and everybody making those those dollars come in a little bit yeah. easier and it just seems to make sense all the way around and the big a big thing i really respect jason for is he's constantly talking about he's constantly trying to figure out how to make the music scene sustainable or more successful on a very I guess that, and this is where Jason and I align, like that's one of the reasons why we founded the music, this music magazine is because we wanted to make the music scene more accessible. We wanted to bring things together and we're doing it by talking about things, you know, and by like putting out this magazine that kind of is a snapshot of what's happening in the same way that someone like PDX Pop Now is putting out a quarterly compilation that is like truly like one of the best snapshots of like what happened in music that year in yeah. this city it's like a testament and it's like a really cool historical record but jason i feel like is doing it from like a feet on the ground like i'm throwing shows active kind of angle and what i really respect about him is he's trying to figure out the question he's trying to solve is like how do we get more new people participating in this scene so um we're pretty we're all like it, it's a pretty tight knit community here and we're all pretty good at talking to each other. Um, and then like slowly like expanding our circles to other really music oriented people. But something that I think that Jason's trying to figure out and something that I've been thinking about a lot is like, there's a lot of, uh, new people moving into the city, you know? So how do we like immediately just say like, Hey, this is like, you're into music like this is what's happening here like just get into this mix like into this local scene because that will make some of these like regular and semi-regular events whether that's like jason's mogo fest or things like the hip-hop showcases like the thesis and mic check like those are monthly and they're doing they're doing all right for themselves but they could also be at bigger venues you know and like i mean because the talent is there like the quality of the production they're putting on is there but it's like we just need more audience like coming to that thing and having it be like a hang and that potential's out there is basically what I'm saying. Agreed. And like, yeah, it's, it's always kind of mind blowing to show up to like some of these shows where we're like the, like you're saying, like the talent is there and it's just not quite as full as you would think it would be with the level of talent that is there. Right. And, and that's kind of something that, you know, I've tried to like do my best to like spotlight the stuff that, that I really dig around town and, and trying to, hopefully like one or two extra people show up to that show or something because they heard the band on the podcast or they saw a video like from the studio or whatever. So I I definitely align with all that as well and, and appreciate it. Um, Yeah. And I mean, and you do a really good job of like crossing over all over the place, like, which I think is something that, which seems to be more common or like more just common sense these days. Cause like at one point, whether you were like a show this still maybe like exists in like show booking and promoting where like people really stick to their niches. Yeah. Like, but I feel like a lot of people in the media or, you know, even like that, like the DJs on X-Ray or Portland radio project or something like that are so open to just kind of like blurring these genres and not having it be such a format specific thing. And I think, and that's like where a lot of these connections have, because 
you have hip hop dude on your show and like when he's checking out your show before he goes on or, or now he's aware of you because he's been on your show and he sees all this like folk and Americana stuff yeah. you do, then he's like, I mean, and that's the beauty of Portland that a lot of these people are like, dude, I, you know, like I got like this like folk singer to like lay down a track for me that I rapped over or something. And then it becomes something totally new and different that crosses streams that might not normally been crossed. Absolutely. Um, do you find, cause obviously this all came from like, uh, the love of music and going out to shows and stuff. Do you, do you find that you still get to actually go out to see like as much music as you would like to with, with, uh, <laughs> the task of putting together all of the content? I don't go to as many shows as I used to when I first started writing my music. When I first yeah. started writing my music, it was like, oh my God, I just hit the <laughs> jackpot. And uh, I was going to shows like five nights a week and everything all across the map. Like I was going to like every touring act that was coming through town that I thought I was like even like a little bit into. Like maybe that one song that I knew and I was like, that's a good song. I'll go see the whole set, you know. Uh, it actually got to a point where I realized that I was going to see so many shows and like trying to like produce some kind of content about all of these shows, like fulfill some kind of unwritten duty yeah and uh it got to the point where i realized i only should go to the shows that i was like genuinely stoked about and like really excited for um versus just trying to like go to see everything not saying that i won't go to a show of someone i've never heard of before but i definitely am not gonna go to that show unless it's been like i'm going with someone or it's been like highly recommended or the intention to like see a band that you've heard good things about yeah Yeah. so i mean but the other thing too that is like a crazy thing from people that i know that have moved to this city and don't know anything about the music that's here like i have several stories of people i know that are from la and they're just like they're like i just go to whatever random little spot like on a on a weeknight just to see what's going down and i'm totally blown away they're like we never had stuff like this in la like ever so i mean on the other hand it's like yeah yeah, i'd love to just be going to more kind of like random stuff that was just like oh man i heard i heard of those guys like i need to check them out yeah um yeah it's just like uh just get busy man i feel you man i and I think even just like uh, one of the first times you and I met up, one of the things you you talked to me about was like figuring out how to not burn out. And I think like as much as I love going to see shows like three to five nights a week, sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I really, really would like to see this band, but like I really need to, you know, chill the fuck out too. (laughs) This is sort of like a dichotomy of a local music scene is like, so a really good band plays every month. It's really easy to be like, ah, you know, I'll catch them next time. Um, so this is a thing that balance that bands have to figure out how to balance, like how to play enough or how to get out of their own city. So like when they are playing their own city, it you know the gigs are still like really relevant to the audience because, like I said, that's something that even I suffer from. Where like I'll see like an amazing bill of band I like. And, and like bands I like and then it comes down to like the show night and I'll just be like I just like I don't, I don't have the energy I can't swing it tonight and then I'm like and then I don't feel so bad because I'm like oh you know what like they're local bands I can catch them next time yeah but but I think that this is like something that if bands play less and we get more people uh, like into 
the fold of like going to these shows, you know, that's a way to like continue to grow that audience and, and sustain it. But cool. it's definitely like a human nature thing that I think like we all, even the, uh, those of us that are super involved and have like the best intentions yeah, uh, could like fall victim to. So it's like something that I think that like artists really need to be conscious of as well, because they're like, man, if it's that easy for someone to say, I'm not going to go to the show because I'll see them next time because you are playing every week, you know, something to consider. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cool. Let's get into a a musical break here. I know one of the things that you're doing to celebrate the the three-year anniversary of Vortex is that you guys are putting out a vinyl for Record Store Day, which is April 22nd. Correct. One of my favorite days of the year. Um, Should should we play maybe this Autonomics? Yeah, let's listen to the Autonomics. which is an awesome. Well, we should just listen to it, then we can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's, do it. Let's, do it. let's do it. <laughs> Cool. So that was uh, Autonomics with Dead TV Star. Is that the name of that track? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, so Autonomics is like... This is a uh, new band to me. Yeah, super like high energy band. They put out some music in the past, but um, this is a record that they 
did it with a friend of mine, uh, Dominic Schmidt. He has a company called Rolla Music. Um, and yeah, he produced this record and I think they're going to put out the whole record later this summer, but I listened to, listened to it a few months ago and I was like, man, I got to get one of these tracks uh, nice. on the vinyl. Yeah. So how, like, tell me about how you kind of curated what is on the, the vinyl comp. Uh, basically there's, so, okay, this whole thing came about, there's a company in town, uh, I think out in Oregon city called vinyl on demand and they actually cut like one off vinyls. So, uh, if you normally, if you want to go to somewhere like cascade record pressing, your minimum order is probably like 500, a thousand copies. Um, and you're going to pay less per copy there because they're doing it in bulk, but you know, 500, a thousand vinyl is like i don't know thousands tens of thousands of dollars yeah you know it's a lot to stock is like a local band too like exactly so these guys at vinyl on demand they can cut you as many as you want um for i don't know maybe like ten dollars a vinyl or something like that that's right so um yeah so basically uh, i've been connected with them for a little while and we had always sort of loosely talked about maybe doing something and uh I got connected with them again and and they were like, Hey, do you wanna do you wanna do a vinyl compilation like for record store day this year? And I was like, Yeah. I was like, that sounds really rad. I was like, it's our third birthday, like you know, it could make a lot of sense for us to do it as like part of a an annual thing potentially, you know? Uh so yeah, so just started reaching out to a bunch of bands I knew people I knew pretty well, people I knew that had music coming out, people I knew that were like sort of prolific that might just have something that they're sitting on, uh, people that had released something recently, but maybe had like a couple tracks that hadn't been put on it. Um, and I came up, I came up with like a really, really awesome track listing. Like I'm so stoked about it, but there was also a lot of people that I was, that were, were like just a hair from having on there, but it was like just the timing wasn't right or something. So I kind of realized like, if I'm doing this with more planning in the future, like how not that it necessarily be any better, but like just like what kind of potential there could be there for, for this type of project. But, um, yeah, I'm like really, really excited about the way that, that this all turned out and like the types of artists that really wanted, that wanted to work with us on this. Yeah, dude, it's a dope track listing, uh, for people that are familiar, uh, and keep up with this show. There's definitely a few people, that have been on the show like small million and Rashid Jamal who's one of my favorite MCs in the city right now. And Corgi and bass who I think, man, if you haven't seen Corgi and bass live, it's such a cool show. They played recently at the, uh, the Paris theater, which is a newer venue in town. Have you new, been to the Paris Paris yet for new uh, old for venue. music? <laughs> uh, so that was a, yes, that was a music venue when I was in high school. Like that's okay. where like, that's where like the kids, like the kids that were in punk bands in my high school, that's like where they played. Okay. Know, one, of the, one of those venues where the venue's like, here's like 50 tickets, now go sell them to your friends type of venue, like pay to play. Dude, that's, play. How, <laughs> that's how I grew up in the LA scene. Like yeah. every show is pay to play. And it's a, that's a real mess and a real way to like, not build a community of artists right it's real fucked up so that was the paris theater and i don't know the nine late 90s 2000s or something when i was in high school and then uh 
Yeah, then it was a porn theater for a while, and yeah, been in there recently. It's real nice in there. They got they did a really the guy gave me a tour of it. It looks really nice. Yeah, it's rad. I've been to a couple shows there now, and like I recently saw a corgi and bass there, and they have that huge. I don't know how big that screen is, but like on the stage. Yeah. But it's like an LED thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and just to see like Corgi and bass there since they're an instrumental band, it was just like really cool to have all those visuals. Yeah. Like it just enhanced the experience by like a lot. It was rad. Yeah. So. Well, so just as of today, actually, I guess we, maybe we can let this cat out of the bag. I'm not, you know, none of this has been firmed up yet, but I feel pretty confident that it's going to happen. Um, so we're throwing, we're throwing a, a show for our birthday as well that also features some of the artists that are on here. But a couple of the people that were like some of the first couple of people that I contacted for this release, uh, were, uh, Barra Brown of Corgi and bass and Rashid Jamal. And so then when I was booking our bill, I was like, man, I would love for these guys. I wonder if these guys know each other, which they didn't, they knew of each other, but they didn't know each other. And I was like, I'd love for them to like do a collaborative thing. The timing's not going to work out for our birthday show because one of them's going to be out of town on tour, but I just started talking to them again today about doing it at another show in like mid-May. So, nice. So stand by. We could have like a little thing for like a little collaborative set between them. That'll be cool, man. I definitely look forward to that. Um, yeah, what else is going on for the uh, the birthday celebration? So the birthday celebration is Cinco de Mayo. Oh, so get <laughs> ready, get ready to party. Uh, we actually got Autonomics. We just listened to our headlining it. So okay. really, really stoked to have them. They're actually over in Europe right now, uh, touring like in uh, Austria and Germany. So I think they'll have only been back like a week or so. So they should be really tight. Like they've just been playing like show after show after show on the road and they've got this new album that's not out yet. So, you know, they're like really jamming on that music right now. So, uh, yeah, man, they're just like real high energy, you know, two, two and a half minute pop, pop punky kind of tracks. Like they, they they remind me of like the thermals in a lot of ways. Uh, it's three dudes, you know, it's just three piece. Two of the dudes are brothers. Um, they're just a lot of fun. Like, come on, it's gonna be Cinco de Mayo. Perfect like, for that, party music. Yeah, at that point in the night, you're gonna have a few drinks. And it's gonna be <laughs> and the you know the, we're doing it at the Alberta Street Pub. It's a small space. Like it's gonna it's gonna be cool. Brad. Yeah. And I know you mentioned that that Crave Dog Happy Hour that's gonna be happening. Yeah. yeah. As well, and then. Is there anything else going on for the, uh, God, let's see. All right. So, all right, let's here. Let's just let's run, run, let's run through the calendar. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. So 22nd, April 22nd is record store day. And that's the day that we will drop this vinyl. Uh, so it's 11 tracks, uh, all unreleased tracks from local artists. Uh, since we're doing the rundown, I'll tell yeah, you who we got. Go for it. We got autonomics. we got small million Rashid Jamal turtlenecked. Dave Depper, who is uh, currently a full-fledged full band member of Death Cab for Cutie, but he's just a dude that's been around the Portland scene forever. Um, we got Gold Casio on a track that's featuring Coco Columbia. Yeah, it's a really cool that track. That we actually premiered on the site like a week or two ago. Then we got a Corgi and Bass track, which is another collaborative joint that has uh, Catherine Feeney, who's like a folk singer-songwriter. Oh, like nice, She's kind of like singing the hook on the track. 
and then it has an MC Dusty Fox of two planets uh, on dude, there as well. So. I, I think <laughs> that Dusty is one of the most underrated MCs in this city. I so, love that dude. <laughs> you, you will like that track very much. And then we got Skulldiver, which is a little bit heavier track. It's kind of like a psych metal track, and they have a new record that's coming out soon. They'll, they'll actually have like a, have a little bit on them in the next issue, so you can read about them. Uh, Siren in the Sea, which is a cool track that was produced by the engineer at Erst Studios, uh, which is like a hip-hop label, but the Siren in the Sea song is definitely like a spacey electro track. Uh, Dog Heart, which is another great like pop garage rock jam, like that's a little bit in the vein of Autonomics. Uh, yeah, dude. So if you, if that's you, a cool jam. They're really they, those guys are really talented. Like every song they put out is just so hooky. Like he sent me their new record, and I was just like, I don't even know what song to pick. Like <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, first of all, I would pick the shorter song because you know we have limited space on the vinyl. I was like, but they're all short and they're all great. Like I literally don't know what to pick. Uh, you picked a good one. <laughs> and then, uh, and then our last track is kind of like a put put you to bed lay you down to rest track it's by jacob anderson who's uh one of the lead singers of fruition and this is like a kind of like a demo track that he recorded in his basement with two of his bandmates and it's like it's a quiet love song that's like really sweet and nice way in, to intimate. play it out yeah exactly nice, dude. plus you got to put a quiet track on the inside of the record you know? absolutely man <laughs> and that's going to be at uh, available at millennium yeah, so uh, on Record Store Day, we'll have that exclusively at Music Millennium and Tender Loving Empire on Hawthorne because oh, they're they're doing uh they're doing an event there too with like some X Ray DJs and stuff. So Music Millennium is a great place to be on Record Store Day too. They have like throw out all the stops. Yeah, dude, I've been so. there the last <laughs> two years, and in, I think last year I waited three hours before I even got inside. Or it was the year before, and and it seems but like you got like coffee and voodoo. While yeah, you're and it seems like <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough thing to navigate, especially as the vinyl becomes more and more popular again. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like last year, like they had it to a system where it was everything was moving along yeah, a yeah. little bit better. So I think, I mean, as every year goes by, they're gonna figure out how to make it more efficient to get people in and out of there. But if you want the stuff that you want on that list, like show up early yeah. and get in that line. Like if it opens at eight, like be there at seven <laughs> for sure. So, I mean, our vinyl will be at those two stores and we're, we're actually only cutting uh, 60 of these total. So we'll have quite a few at those two joints on record store day, but we will also be saving some for our birthday party as well on Cinco de Mayo. So, yeah, the Cinco de Mayo show, like I said, will be Autonomics, and then we'll have Rashid Jamal, uh, and then Small Million as well. Red, so. that's going to be an awesome lineup yeah. then. At Alberta Street Pub. And what so. day is that again? Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. May Boom. 5th. Doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess the only other thing I would shout out then too is um, on the 30th, like we talked all about the educational thing. So we'll be doing that at the Doug Fur. And then, um, some, a bunch of our friends in Roco, uh, a bunch of our friends in uh, local record labels will be over at Holocene that afternoon as well at like a little, uh, pop-up shop kind of thing that is an event that's just full of local record labels. So it's kind of like the record store day after party with nice. all local people. So we'll yeah. actually have a, a table there as well, um, 
with some copies of of our record too. So that's awesome. I'm definitely gonna find yeah. a copy of. So of basically, that. there's this is how you need to plan your agenda on April 30th at like noon. You got to go to Holocene, and like there's gonna be like 15 local record labels there. Check all them out. Check their stuff out. Then get over to the Doug for at one o'clock for our licensing panel panel. So I will definitely be at that as well. Those are always super educational. Um, yeah, man. Uh, do, would you say that your, your love for the, the, uh, the Portland music scene is it's uh diversity right now? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like since the time that we started this magazine, um, so it's, you know, it's been three years since we've been printing this magazine. I've just really been blown away by how certain things have really noticeably started to come together or to kind of like finally start to get their time of day. Uh, like the hip hop scene is one of the easiest ones to point to of like that really like that really getting like coming to a head in like a really negative place and kind of turning the corner. Um, so like two issues ago, we wrote a lot about this. Um, so that that's been really interesting to see, but just like, I think that this track list of the, um, this track list of this LP that we put together, like represent a lot of interesting things that are happening in this scene of like of people kind of coming together and, you know, um, you know, and people like me or people like Dan Cable, obviously, like putting together a lot of bills of bands that are really interesting um, that, you know, I just think it starts to like open doors for certain people, you know, or like certain parts of the scene that, you know, wasn't getting as much attention as whatever was hip at the current moment. Um, but honestly, I I mean, I do sort of feel like, like, what like you know like in the 2000s or something like every like the hipster thing was like so overwhelming like just this like notion of like there was like hipster music and like pitchfork was like the king of the hipsters Mm -hmm. you know i just feel like things just feel a little more open these days and and i don't know if maybe that's like the way that streaming, you know, media and like Spotify and YouTube, how much of a role they play in like music discovery, which like maybe takes the barriers of entry out of the hands, the key, you know, the key holders that being the hipster blog yeah. and just puts it into anyone's hands and anyone can create a Spotify playlist that gets like hundreds, millions of followers. Anyone can like have a song blow up on SoundCloud. Um, so, you know, well, it's it's not any more easy to get noticed. Um, I feel like you have more tools in your toolkit, you know, to kind of like get around some of the traditional gatekeepers. Yeah. And it seems like as more and more people move here from different parts of the country and the world, like the scene continues to become more eclectic. Yeah, for sure. So it's, it's a really rad place to be able to go see local music right now. And yeah. I don't know. It's it's just something, something that I always uh, I try to keep in mind, like when booking the the studio performances, especially is like, how can I keep this as mixed up as possible? For it's sure. Like, yeah. We'll have a couple folk acts, but then like, yeah, let's bring on the hip hop and like, yeah. let's bring on some metal and and just try to keep keep it really mixed up, not only to like challenge other people to listen to new music, but like even myself was like, sometimes I'll bring on like a musician where I'm like, I really respect that you are like an incredible musician, but I might not like really understand like, 
your music yet. Yeah, man. I and I mean, I commend you for that for on like the diversity factor and just for like broadening horizons, you know, because I mean, like for me, I'm always like, I get, get so much stuff like coming into my inbox and especially when it's like local artists reaching out to me directly. And I try to give everyone the time of day, but it's also just, there's way more stuff happening that I, than I can pause than like as a, us as a publication can possibly cover. Yeah, know? man. I can't imagine like <clears throat> just doing this, like, a year and a half now just the amount of bands that reach out now to like want to do the show and it's like yeah i would love to have all of you and i would love if i could release two episodes a week but like that's not the reality right now so it's just trying to curate it can be like a little overwhelming sometimes and yeah um but but in the end you know it's like it's not i mean and again, like figuring out a way to get more people involved in this music scene, like it's not a bad problem to have that we have so much talent, you know, because like it makes the scene all the more vibrant. And then the other thing on the other side of it too is like it's a great thing to have like various podcasts and people popping up like you and like, you know, like Jenny Wren who does the Gritty Birds and like the future of what because like everyone is kind of like doing telling their own little piece of the story and like the the kind of narrative or storytelling or interviewing way that they want to do it but that also gives all these artists more channels you know to to get exposure and for people to just like work together and collaborate you know even if collaboration is i mean it's like so many of these people that appeared on our lp are basically most of them are probably people that I maybe like premiered a track on the website once. And I was like, man, like those people, that was like a really good track or those people were good to work with. Or like, I just have this connection now, you know, like, like let's, let's see what else we can do now that this random vinyl project fell in my lap, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, man, I can't say like enough good things about like Vortex. Um, just it's, it's definitely I think I told you before, like the the publication that I I look forward to the most, at, like locally and like as far as like web content and stuff. And I super appreciate like the opportunity to contribute like to the to the web content. You've yeah, been, yeah. Like, super been rad about letting you. me premiere some of these studio session videos through through the website, and that's that's been really cool and like just. I don't know. You're you're the type of dude when your name gets brought up, it's it's always nothing but like great things are said and just like another person, like we talked about earlier, just uh, just someone I feel like I align with as far as like your your intentions to grow the scene like all together and realizing that like putting Portland on the map is something we can all do together and something we'll mm-hmm. all benefit from. Yeah, and something the artists will benefit from. So yeah, super rad. Which brings me to one more thing. I'll give oh, one no, more go, shout. Go ahead, man. <laughs> uh, is that, uh, yeah, like what you just brought up, which just like sparked something in my mind that's been kind of a focus as well, something I've been working on uh, with a small group of people. But uh, we have an organization called Music Portland that we're trying to better define what it should be. But about a year ago, we had a bunch of like roundtable meetings with various people, like a lot of the names that we brought up like Portia Sabin and Larry Crane and all these people, just people coming in together and like kind of, these are people that uh, own and run music businesses in this city. 
um, successful, these sustainable businesses, record labels, studios, your trumpet labs, microphone manufacturers. And, um, but at this point we're, st- we're still trying to figure out exactly what this, uh, organization should be and how we should move forward with it. But something that we have realized is that we do need people to just like stand up and raise their hand and say like, yes, like I am in the, in the music business in this city. So like that's anyone that plays in a band. That's anyone that works at a venue that has live music. You know, it's anyone that works in like an ancillary service or something like that. Um, because someday the goal is to really quantify the economic impact of what music makes up in this city. Um, and we feel like beyond confident that that economic impact is way bigger than the film or movie TV industry brings, brings into the city. Yet we have several statewide and citywide organizations that advocate on behalf of film. Um, because they're like big high profile events and there's a a real easy number to point to, to be like, this was the budget and this is how much we made. But the thing is the music scene is like a, an everyday thing for so many creative people in this city. And at some point we want to figure out how to actually quantify that, you know? And so we have a website, uh, that we're, we're currently kind of revamping, but there's still, there's still like a place on there where you can sign up and like, basically we can collect your info so we can, count you in the future but it's musicportland.org um at some point we want this idea to really be like a feet on the street kind of thing that can work with friends of noise to establish an all ages venue um in a place that does like smart programming very much like the vera project does in seattle um work with like the musicians union and venues to get uh uh, designated loading zones and parking spaces outside of venues, which is something that <laughs> Seattle did, but Portland failed to do, you know? And so like, that's a struggle that the musicians union they're having here. And a lot of that stuff comes down to like being able to work with the city and being able to prove your case to appointed officials and appointed officials like want to see, like they, you have to go through the proper bureaucratic channels and all this stuff, you know? Yeah. And the things that like creatives and artists aren't necessarily going to do, but these are the types of things that um, our city's changing. More people are moving here. Like, that's great because maybe we can have more people coming to our shows. That's horrible because people are being pushed out. So, you know, I think that we can take a more active role in the way that the city's developing and think about how that affects musicians and try to safeguard, you know, or, you know, create a somewhat of an industry organization because again, like, just like I was saying, like I've, I see people coming together on stages or on bills. Like we also need to do this like behind the scenes and this all plays into taking your, your music seriously as a business, you know, like making smart decisions, being educated, you know, on and on because that, that will be the thing that the thing, like the great things that are happening in this city right now, creatively, that will be the things that sustain this stuff. And, doesn't mean that everyone has to move to Boise or Bellingham, which are both rad spots, but yeah. I'd rather be here. <laughs> no, I feel you, man. I mean, you covered like one of my other questions for you is like, you know, like with the growth of the city, do you see it being sustainable? And so like that, that is definitely a rad thing to try to put together to, yeah. to help things like that. Cause it, it'd be a shame to see everybody kind of get priced out of their neighborhoods where they don't like, have a city to live in anymore yeah 
It's another one of these things. Like, it's a funny thing. Like, I would say we we talked about Vortex as a concept for two years before we, like, did anything. Uh, or before we, like, said anything publicly, you know? Put a, or launched a website or social media or anything. And I feel like this Music Portland group, we're, like, coming up on, like, two years of talking and kind of ruminating. And in the last few months, we, our core group, we've, really actually have started to do some tangible things um, in terms of like putting together some projects and stuff like that. Um, so now it's starting to feel like more of a real thing. And it just, it has to be one of these things where all of us that are like taking our free time to do music Portland, we need to find more time to like be able to do some of that stuff in conjunction with uh, like the bands that we manage and the magazine I produce and, you know, whatever other things that we do for work and pleasure for sure uh yeah just a couple things i guess to like close it out you're three years deep now on on this uh what what is your biggest takeaway from it at this point and what do you tell your yourself three years ago like when you like if if someone was like getting ready to like start something start on an idea that's in their head, like, or just like, what would you tell yourself three years ago now that you have the knowledge of experience? Biggest, yeah. Biggest things are, uh, like you can't do it alone and you can't be afraid to ask for help, which I guess kind of go hand in hand. Um, and so that's a big thing is like, I've always been a big advocate, uh, for a big observer. You know, I, I publish a music magazine, uh, but I'm not a musician. Like, you know, like I'm observing a lot of the stuff that's going on around me and I'm just kind of taking it all in. I'm looking for themes and patterns and just, you know, trying to figure it all out without actually being the guy that's like on stage playing the gigs. And so, um, I observe a lot of like really, really talented people that are doing things because they're passionate about it. And that goes for, musicians and visual artists and like you know like a podcaster like you it's like we're all the people that put out the best stuff the best work you know are often like maybe they're being paid for it you know but they're also often doing it because it's like they really care about and that's why the work that they put out is good so i've always been a big advocate of finding out ways to like collaborate with those people and bring thing bring it together and that's very much how we met you know it's just like it's like, yo, you have this awesome podcast. Like, you've been doing really quality interviews and putting out good videos. Like, there's got to, like, we got to, our content is, like, we we're, we travel in similar, we're traveling on similar ro- roads that are parallel to each other. It's like, maybe we can, like, put this thing together and, like, travel a little faster or Absolutely. something like that. Um, so, I mean, that that's one thing is, like, you always got to look at the, the people that, that you can work with to partnership to further each other you know it's like if you're aligned in terms of your mentality and there's so many people that i'm aligned with in terms of mentality whether it's like x-ray or prp or jfell um like we're really aligned in mentality and we could be way more aligned in terms of action um but again you know it takes like manpower and planning and all that kind of stuff so i would say you know that's a big thing with the music portland initiative is that we don't intend to create an organization that like displaces anybody that's already doing things. So the point is to like bring everything together under one umbrella. So 
if we're creating something and there's already organizations like uh, Jeremy Wilson Foundation that looks after musicians' healthcare, why should we try to create an organization that's going to do healthcare for musicians when we can point people to an already established organization that's very highly regarded and has big plans in the mix, you know? And same thing with, like, we can point people to the musicians' union if we can clearly communicate what they offer to people and, like, why this would be a benefit and kind of like met pe- like like let people make their own decisions um but just give them all the toolbox to like start to make those decisions so yeah so you know you can't do it alone uh you know like look for partnership like look for collaboration like look for the good people that are around you and then yeah the hardest thing with the magazine because i'm I can be pretty anal about uh, certain things and I guess I have a pretty good dynamic with our graphic designer because like we just like go back and forth and meticulously tear stuff apart before we publish it. Um, but that that kind of process is really time consuming and like again maybe that's why we only put out a quarterly magazine. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I, the point is, though, it's like you got to figure out the ways where you can ask for help because there's only so much time in the day. And, you know, you know, talking about like getting burnt out or whatever, it's like there's also a lot of people out there that are really good at certain things and would be really gung ho to work with you in certain ways, you know. So you got to you got to be willing to be pretty like open about where you're at with your situation and your business and have a very realistic take on what's happening with you in the present moment, whether or not that aligns with like where you really think you should have been or, you know, what you should be doing. But it's like, you, you gotta be able to be like, yo, Hey, I need some help. Like who, who can come in here and like help me put on this event or can help me, uh, revamp, uh, our membership program, which is like exactly what I'm doing right now with our, uh, vortex access party. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool, man. Uh, I'm the uh, the Portland commu- musician community appreciates what you're doing, man. It's 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 really rad. And like I said earlier, like I really appreciate the opportunity to kind of partner up with you in some ways, and and just you know have that that platform to release like some of those videos and yeah, let a few people, more people know about what I'm doing. So much love to you on all that yeah. and uh looking forward to uh record store day april 22nd the the vortex uh vinyl compilation and then uh we got the 30th we got the uh the mogo yep event going down at the doug fur that's uh mm-hmm. early in the day yeah like one o'clock that's a free event if you're a musician you should get yourself there and get yourself some free education on music licensing. This is going to be a hot topic and the people we have are really, really knowledgeable. Yeah. So. That's going to be awesome, man. And then, uh, the, when's the Crave Dog happy hour? That's 27th okay. last Thursday. It's the last Thursday of every month, but we'll be, we'll be partnering up with them. Yeah. April 27th. And then Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Big party. Yeah. So basically come out to, any all of these things like we'll have vinyl at all these things so pick some up uh we can tell you way more information about uh how to become a member of the magazine or you can just head on over to our website and like i said like our whole goal is to make this magazine more sustainable while giving back to the people that we engage with the most you know so it's like we're asking for 
two bucks a month. I mean, I can tell you like what I spend two bucks a day on every month (laughs) and like, just be like, what? Yeah. You know? So yeah, I mean, it's again, you know, back to what would I tell myself? You know, it's like when asking for help and like not being able to do it alone, it's power in numbers, man. Like power in numbers is what makes this music scene work. You know, it's what, is what makes like this, this, this city collaborative power in numbers is like, give me, you know, give $2 a month to the magazine and like, we will continue to just like take off with the things that we're doing. Right on dude. That's Chris Young. Just dropping knowledge on the, on the program. Uh, pleasure to get to, to hang with you for this and congrats on the third birthday of, uh, of the magazine. That's quite an accomplishment. And, uh, yeah, stoked to continue to like build a connection with you, man. And, keep partnering up on things and just hanging out yeah uh we we end every episode of this podcast with the uh the guest saying it's a program i know so this this is the opportunity for you to to give us a good it's a program it's a program (laughs) he nailed it uh what are we gonna play it out with dude we gotta play Uh, it out with something off the off the vinyl yes we got a special track special track (laughs) coming at you edit this what do you want to listen to did you want to do i would love to do skull diver if that's okay. cool with yeah. you man i'm gonna go see skull diver for the first time tonight oh yeah that's tonight isn't yeah, it? yeah i've never i i've been meaning to make it out to so many of their shows and it's just like one of those things that hasn't happened so i'm stoked to finally see them tonight uh so this is uh this is skull diver everybody this is nightmare castle and you can find this on the uh the vortex vinyl Catch you on the flip side, Portland. My hands are heavy with the storm. I'm a harlot in somebody else's clothes. Dressed in diamond ways. My heart's been filled with tiny. Oh, <laughs>
It's a program. I know how we end it.